You're listening to the Rugby Coaches Corner Podcast with your host, Andy Plymer. For someone to explain. Bringing you up-to-date coaching concepts from the world of rugby. Sharing ideas to make the game better. Hi there, everyone. Thanks for joining me again on the Rugby Coaches Corner Podcast. Uh, we're just about to get into my chat with uh, Kieran Crowley, the uh, head coach of Benetton Treviso Rugby. Uh, just a bit of a heads up for this interview. Uh, we had we had quite a few uh, blips in the interview from uh, bad uh, internet coverage, so some of the editing doesn't sound as smooth as uh, what I would have hoped for. So uh, some of the transitions, uh, if you see hear anything weird, it's, uh, we, we lost a bit of content due to uh, poor internet con- connection, but other than that, uh, I think you're going to get a lot out of the chat. Uh, great guy, uh, really appreciated him coming on the show, and uh, look forward to to hearing people's feedback on the episode. All right, cheers, bye for now. All right, welcome to episode number 28 of the Rugby Coaches Corner podcast. I'm your host Andy Plymer, and joining me today is Kieran Crowley. Kieran was born and raised in Taranaki, New Zealand, where he played 200 first class games for the for that province. Uh, he, he was an all-black between 1983 and 1991 and lifted the very first Webb Ellis Cup in 1987. Uh, he has he coached prof- professionally since 98, uh, which involved nine years with Taranaki, including two years with the New Zealand under-20s, uh, and then uh, an eight-year stint with uh, the Canadian men's side before relocating to Treviso in Italy to take on the head coaching role at Benetton Rugby. Uh, it's a pleasure to have you on the show, Kieran, so welcome. Yeah, thanks very much, Andy. Pleased to be here. Yeah, awesome. So, um, a bit of your backstory there, but go into a bit more detail about your your playing and coaching. I think uh, you did a played a bit in Europe as well. Yeah, I had a um, had a couple of years when I was in the early twenties and uh, in Italy playing playing club rugby. You know, before it went professional and that, uh, which was a, a great sort of life experience. Uh, you know, a lot of New Zealanders go travelling. Um, when they're younger and uh, rugby seems to be a vehicle where you can, you know, get your foot in anywhere. So I uh, had a good time and during that and, uh, you know, was lucky enough back in New Zealand to sort of, you know, get selected for a few teams and, you know, um, New Zealand uh, rugby's a way of life really. So, you know, it's, uh, it's uh, a bit like ice hockey, I suppose, in Canada or mm. that sort of thing. So it's, uh, you know, it's uh, pretty high profile there and I was lucky enough to make uh, make a few teams and, yeah, had a, have had a great uh Great life with rugby, I suppose. Yeah, awesome. Yeah, and sadly, um, Aussie rules is uh, the high-profile sport in Australia, but I, I won't speak about that. <laughs> Fair enough. <laughs> um, so your, your, your time in Canada, you spent eight years in Canada, and you know we, we had a bit to do with each other over that time. What, what were some of your highlights uh, of your time in Canada? There must have been a few. Oh, yeah. I mean, um, you know, uh, we really loved our time in Canada. I mean, we still got a house there and, you know, the uh, two of the kids are going to university there. So, you know, we still call call Canada our home at the moment, you know. Um, and, you know, the people we met were outstanding. You know, there's some great people in rugby there that, yeah. um, that you know, worked hard for the sport and that, um, you know, uh, politically sometimes, you know, it's like anywhere, it's uh, a little bit challenging. But, uh, you know, as far as, uh, you know, the, the people and that, you know, we, we really loved it. And, I mean, the country's a great place. I mean, you know, the um, just the uh, landscape and the places to visit, et cetera, uh, are really good. Um, you know, from a rugby perspective, I think, um, you know, 
rugby in Canada is uh, not a mainstream sport. Um, certainly getting a lot more profile now with the Olympics, etc. But yeah. uh, uh, when I first got there, I was uh, a little bit surprised, really, I suppose, of the um, pathways, etc., that didn't exist. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, you know, it was almost as if, you know, Rugby Canada was in one corner, each uh, provincial provincial uh, union was in another, you know, each national team was in another. There was no sort of um, no sort of uh, group working together, I suppose. So, so yeah, uh, I think the establishment of the CRC was a massive thing um, because competitions to be, be um, to, you know, be able to be or players to be able to be in one place for selection, etc. But it uh, also allowed uh, areas to sort of build a um, pathway, I suppose, for players in those areas. So for me, that was one of the highlights. Yeah, for sure. And I think, um, you know, I've been here for about the same time as you were here. And I think from a, from a um, national team point of view, I thought the, um, the 2011 World Cup side, um, just the run they had there and uh, they had some great results and that team looked super tight and a really uh, really good group of good group of guys was that I, you know, I suppose you don't want to make uh, highlight favourites or anything like that but that would have been a, a good experience especially being back in New Zealand as well for that World Cup Oh yeah no that was great uh, yeah you know obviously I knew uh, knew the system back there and you know we uh, I think the guys had a pretty good time and mm. yeah, one thing that really uh, I was pleased with was the way we evolved our game over the years too you know I thought uh, we became more of an all-rounded team um, and, you know, that was how we played in 2011. It was how we played in 2015, but 2015 we just didn't get the results. Um, so, yeah, no, you know, that, those sorts of things are, um, are good good things, you know, um, that, uh, you know, I'll remember fondly. Yeah, for sure. Um, okay, so, yeah, you've only just recently left Canada, so you can probably provide a bit of like insight on what, what what do you think after after your tenure and moving on? What do you think are some of the challenges that face Canadian rugby now? Oh, I think the the challenges uh, a lot of them haven't changed. You know, you, you've got things like uh, you know the scope of the country and yeah. you know, uh, the distance and that, but that's uh, you know you can't keep giving that as an excuse because mm. it's a it's a factor that's never going to go away. I mean, for me, we've missed the boat a little bit uh, back in two thousand, and I remember the first. First tour I went on in 2008. You know, we needed to get a um, a uh, centralised training group. I felt at that stage, um, you know, it never came about because of various things. We were able to uh, to get onto a uh, you know we had some players playing in North Wales, etc., which mm-hmm. which they got that experience there, and that sort of pushed us through to the 2011 World Cup. And then, um, but you know, we never got a group together in um, in Canada that were uh, training and, and, and uh, you know, we were developing them. You know, we never had an academy system, a national academy system, all those sorts of things. So that was, to me, a, a massive thing. Um, and, it, you, know, you know, it's started now, but for me it's missed the boat. I mean, to me now it's, you know, it's going to take a number of years now to, to recover lost ground because you've, you've missed a whole group of players that needed to be developed who are not developed uh, as they should have. It's it's not just about your top fifteen players underneath that uh, that need that development. So yeah, that's a challenge. I think politically in, in Canada, there's still um, I think West Coast has a massive problem out there. They're still not on board with national programs. You know, the thing that um, that is massive in a place like New Zealand, for example. You know, it's the role of the provinces or the role of the club 
coaches, etc., to get the players best opportunity to represent their province. And then, you know, it's the role of those coaches and those organisations to give the players the best chance to represent the country sort of thing. But in Canada, to me, there's a lot of politics and clubs, etc., that, you know, they don't do what's best for the country. They do what's best for the club. And until until they start to understand that, you know, we're all working for the same thing and we're all working in the same direction until that understanding becomes... Um, becomes uh, commonplace, you know, you're always going to have challenges and that, you know, there's too many people for me from on the outside trying to pull things down rather than build things. Yeah, no, it's going to be interesting times for sure in the next few years. Okay, so you've moved on to Treviso uh, to be the head coach of Benetton. What's, for those who don't know, Northern Italy rugby culture and the environment, what, what's it like up there and, um, you know, what have your initial experiences been like? Yeah, it's a uh, Treviso is a place that's about uh, 25 minutes from Venice. You know, it's a lovely, uh, lovely place uh, in northern Italy. It's um, pretty good weather at the moment. It's uh, 30 odd degrees, and um, we're about two hours away from the mountains as well. Um, Treviso is a traditional club in Italy that's had a lot of success in the Italian competition, uh, yeah. um, and then uh, five, five or six years ago, I think it was they. They got uh, Italy had two teams admitted to the Celtic League, which uh, Celtic League is uh, the best four teams in in Wales um, and um, Ireland, and then two teams from Scotland and two teams from um, from Italy. So they got uh, you know taken into that, um, and they've had uh, they've had a hard challenge the last couple of years. Yeah. You know, they finished down bottom with the other Italian team, and that's a factor I think of. Uh, of probably uh, the professionalism, etc., that that um, you know they they were just a little bit behind, but they're certainly you know working hard to to put in place now. And you know, um, so you know, I've come into an environment here where we have 42 contracted players. Um, yep. You know, we uh, we start pre-season in in uh, July or beginning of July, and then we go right through our first games this week, and then we go right through until May playing uh, competition. Wow. Just about every week, uh, we, I think we're about two or three weeks off during the whole season. But so you know, we go right through. We play twenty-two games in a in a Celtic League competition, um, and then uh, we also play in the European Championship uh, or the Challenge Cup, which we have another six games in that. So it's a massive uh, difference, I suppose, for me that you know, I'm together with a team for for um, you know that amount that amount of time. Uh, um, yeah, we train, you know, uh, training, uh, you know, every, well, we depending on turnaround between games, but, you know, you're training five or six times a week. So it's a, it's a fully professional environment, just exactly like, you know, your top clubs and anywhere else in the world. So it's uh, it's great, really enjoying it. Um, be some challenges, but um, uh, I've had some challenges with the language, obviously, but yeah. uh, <laughs> it's Italian, but uh, a lot of English and that, so... Uh, we're getting by there, and uh, yeah, we'll see how things go. Yeah, Aussies and Kiwis aren't renowned as being the uh, the most bilingual of uh, of people. No, we're not. <laughs> I mean, uh, you know, uh, Europeans they have to speak another language, so you know, it's either French or English. So you know, we're getting by. But if you if you make an effort, I think you know one of the things when I got the role here, they still wanted to keep the Italian flavour. So you know, I'm mm. learning Italian slowly. So we'll see yeah, how that great. goes. Great, awesome, cool. So yeah, that's obviously one challenge. Well, what about um, you? You you kind of came in uh, halfway through the season last year, I believe, and that would have been that would have been pretty challenging as well. How'd you how'd you approach that? 
Oh, yeah, I only come in for a couple of games. I mean, oh, I didn't right, okay. whatever. I just come over to have a look how they did things, um, et cetera. Um, you know, I, um, cause and that was really beneficial because it gave me an insight for when I came in now. So, you know, I've, uh, I believe there's three things in rugby from a coach's perspective. You know, you've got to get your culture right. Um, that's the things that inside the team um, and outside the team, you know. So you've got to get that side of right. You've got to get the leadership right. Um, and then, obviously, you've got to get your game right. And um, So, you know, we've done a lot of work on culture and, uh, you know, we're working on working on that, keeping working on that. We're keeping working on the leadership side of things. Um, you know, I've found here it's a little bit like uh, Canada in a way that, you know, players have, uh, are... Um, Expected to, they're expecting to be told what to do rather for them, you know, to take a bit of ownership themselves. And, yeah. and that's not only on the field but also off the field. So, you know, that's an ongoing process. And then the other one is the uh, way they way you play the game. You know, they were very forward-orientated here, um, uh, very uh, straight-up. Uh, so, you know, we're, we're looking at trying to um, change the style of play a little bit. Now, obviously, still play to our strengths, but, you know, we need to give the ball a little bit more air, I think. And... Um, so we're working on those three things and, uh, you know, we won't have instant results or anything like that, I don't think, you know, um, but by the end of the year, I hope that we've seen a little bit of improvement in them. From that time uh, that you spent uh, towards the end of last season, what was uh, what were some of the observations that you thought, OK, we've got to change a few things uh, for, for this season that's about to kick off today? Well, I think we've got to have a, yeah, we've got to have a more a positive approach to our games. Um, I thought you know, we tried a lot, well, the games I saw anyway, and then I started watching them as well. You know, once I got the role here, was they needed to try and uh, win games rather than try not to lose games or try to keep scores down. You know, I think there's a big, uh, a big difference in the way you approach a game, and I think that is one of the things that we needed to really work on. So, you know, hopefully, you know, we've talked all about that, but until you get in the heat of the fire, you don't know. Yeah, with changed. Yeah, for sure, for sure. Um, and that must have been pretty big news too. When the signing of Connor O'Shea for the head coach. Have you, uh, what, what dealings have you had with him so far? Yeah, that's uh, big news for them. I think um, you know he's been in a couple of times already. Uh, him and Mike Katz here as well, and uh, they base themselves halfway between uh, Treviso and Zebra as the other Italian nas- uh, team in the competition. So they're halfway between both of us, and and they come in each week uh, just to have a look and observe and talk to players, etc. So that's going to be massive for for Italian rugby there's not there hasn't been a lot of a, it's a little bit like Canada I think uh, there hasn't been a lot of uh, you know uh, alignment between national union and and provincial unions or national union and Zebra and national union and um, Treviso and I think uh, that's one of the main roles that Connor's got to uh, got to do is to get some get the pathways uh, and a channel of um, information etc all that right so I think that's going to be a massive thing yeah, yeah, and it'll, I think um, it will be exciting to see how, how it progresses in the next couple of years. Um, yeah. All, all right. Um, so pre-season, you're just about to kick off the season. Uh, actually, as we speak, your, your first game's against Leinster um, coming up. Um, what, what, are, what have been some of the goals that you and the team have set for, for Pro 12 and, uh, and the Challenge Cup this year? Yeah, we haven't even talked about the Challenge Cup yet. We'll talk about that. You know, we don't play that until uh, I think it's about eight weeks in or something like that. We have our first game there, so we'll approach that then. But, uh, yeah, we're chucked in the deep end here really a little bit. You know, Leinster's, uh, I think they've been in uh, four out of the last five finals or something. They've won a couple of them, been second a couple of other times. So, you know, we got them first. And then Munster, sorry, Ulster second up, who have been, uh, you know, in the top four continuously. And then... Ospreys, so, uh, you know, we've got three massive ones up. Um, <laughs> we've, 
We've uh, taken the approach, you know, I want to see where we're at. I mean, we've obviously got individual goals, uh, or not individual, but team goals within the, um, within the, they're more, they're more process goals rather than outcome goals. So, you know, we want to, for example, you know, win 90% of our set plays, uh, you know, we want to have a positive approach. Um, you know, so we've got measures for that. You know, we want to have um, a big one for the Italians as they give away too many penalties for me. So, you know, we've got to have less than 10 penalties a game. So those are the way we're gonna, ways we're going to measure our first uh, uh, five or six six games it is. Um, and then, that, then we'll have a real line in the sand and have some more probably outcome goals after that. But, uh, you know, you've got to get your processes right and that's been... The, the thing I've been trying to hammer home with them is that if we can get the process processes right, well then you know the outcomes take care of themselves. Yeah, just need the score takes care of itself for sure. And yeah, you you miss those steps if you if you if you all you're worried about at the eighty minute mark, what, what happens from zero minutes to seventy nine minutes? Cool. Okay. All right. So when when you're coaching specifically, what's a, what's a favourite part of your game? Uh, part of the area of the game for you to coach? Yeah, you know, I, I, I like doing attack. I like looking at games and looking at um, you know areas that that you can attack with. Um, um, I think there's a big part for skills as well. You know, uh, I think you know lots of coaches have pretty fancy drills and all that sort of stuff, but you know you got to break the skill down. So you know those are those are a couple of things. Um, yeah, but. Probably the main one for me is attack. You know, I like that side of things. Okay. Well, we always end the show with uh, the same final four questions. Um, you know, when you're when you're growing up in New Zealand or your time in New Zealand, who was one of your your favourite players that really stood out to you? Yeah, I don't know that I had a lot of favourite players. I mean, um, you know, I used to watch them all. Uh, I used to admire. You know, I was from a little club with only you know a couple hundred people lived in the town, and so you know you. The players, you know, you used to play with in those clubs, you used to really admire them. You know, they used to be hard workers and that yeah. sort of stuff. I suppose, you know, from an international perspective, there's guys like, you know, I always uh, been a fullback. I always remember Serge Blanco. You know, he used to attack the ball. Some days he'd be brilliant, some days he'd be bloody terrible, but it was just <laughs> his approach to the game, I suppose. Um, yeah. So, you know, guys like that, um, there was a you know, guy who, used to play in the club I played in, you know, he played a massive amount of games for the province and, you know, he played a couple of games for the All Blacks guy, Ian Allison, you would never have heard of. But, you know, players like that who just uh, got on with it and, and just did the job and, you know, they were good fun off the field too. That's probably a general description of uh, some French players there, the one you gave of Serge Blanco. Uh, they can do absolutely <laughs> mind-blowing things and then the next day <laughs> it's like a different person. Yeah, they're unpredictable. I mean, you know, I used to find like... Where as a fullback, when you played guys like uh, in New Zealand anyway, when you played guys like Grant Fox and that, who you know you could always bank on what he was going to do, or mm. where you know if he went for to kick the ball somewhere as a fullback, you know knew it was going to land where it was going to land. So it was a lot easier playing guys like that than it was playing against guys like uh, Serge Blanco or players like that who were unpredictable. Yeah, for sure. Okay, and what about now? Who who are some of the favourite players you see uh, you see running around it, uh, in the international and super rugby? Yeah, I don't think I've got favourite players, but I mean, I, I really like, you know, just watching games and just seeing how players play. I mean, I thought the uh, English 10s, you know, in the last series against Australia were outstanding, the way they controlled game, the yeah. game, etc. You know, from an attack point of view, um, you know, if you look at the way Bowden Barrett's playing at the moment, you know, I think from an attack perspective, he's been outstanding. It's unreal. You know, and then, 
Yeah, and then you look at guys like, you know, I enjoy, you know, guys like, uh, you know, Brody Retellick, for example, you know, the Sam Kane, you know, Richie McCaw when he was there, you know, they just roll their sleeves up and, you know, get into it and just, you know, those sorts of players, you know, I really respect that, um, respect what they bring to the game. Yeah, and it's something that's something quintessential about rugby too. It's like there's no fanfare. It's just get stuck in and do the job kind of thing. Yeah, and, and the, the satisfaction you get out of doing a good job or something like that, I think, is, is part of the big thing in rugby. You know, it's, uh, you're, you're not, you know, the, the top players are not there for their own individual promotion. You know, they're there, you know, to do their job. And if they can do their job properly and then, you know, the team has success, you know, that's the, that's the um, pleasure they get out of it, I think. Yeah, for sure. Okay, well, on the coaches now, who's a uh, who's, uh, high-profile coach uh, that, that you like what they're doing and, and respect the, the processes they go through? Oh, I think uh, Wayne Smith's one that comes to mind for yeah. me. You know, uh, he's, he's a great thinker of the game. You know, any discussions you have with him, um, you know, he's great. And I think Dave Rennie for the Chiefs is another one for me. You know, just the, the way they manage, manage people, you know, the style that they like to play with play in that so um you know that'd be a couple of coaches that that i i think are, are pretty damn good yeah i agree i think uh, uh wayne, wayne smith's just how versatile he's become i think he was the defense coach for the last world cup he was the attack coach for the world cup before that and probably done anything everything yeah. else in between probably coached some lineouts yeah. too if you gave it to him <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah okay and uh last question um who, who's maybe someone with a uh, Maybe not the profile of those guys, but a coach who you feel deserves uh, deserves a lot of recognition. Oh, I think you've got you know you've got a number of them. Um, you know, one coach that I you know I had him with uh, Canada, Neil Barnes, as a Ford's coach. Um, yeah. You know, he went back. Uh, he was probably uh, Neil would be the first one to admit that he wasn't politically correct when he was younger. You know, he he used to say what he thought and uh, used to ruffle people's feathers and. Uh, so he probably didn't get a role in New Zealand. Uh, then you know he was uh, involved with me with Canada, and then you know you had uh, the super. He was offered uh, super fifteen roles, and now he's with the with the Chiefs, and you know, and and there's uh, rumours that he could be going to Glasgow with Dave Rennie, and you know I know they're fighting to try and keep him in New Zealand. So he, he's probably a, a coach that never had the recognition he probably deserved earlier on, but is getting it now. But you get. You know, I was involved in a couple of coaches in New Zealand um, at club level that I thought had outstanding rugby brains, but because they hadn't played at the top level, you know, the people that made decisions didn't think that they were capable of uh, coaching at the next level. And yeah. I think that's a that's a fault that um, that is big in world rugby is that you get you get some people that don't get looked at for roles because they haven't played at the top level or or they haven't you know. They don't kiss the right ass, you know <laughs> that, that sort of thing. So, yeah. you know, um, you know, I can think of a guy back in New Zealand, Ra Marco. Who, you know, he I thought he had an outstanding rugby brain. No one would have even heard of him. You know, he was just a club coach, but you know, he never got positions because he wasn't um, wasn't the didn't fit the profile, I suppose, of what what they were wanting. And yeah, I understand that in some way. But you know, and there's probably there's people in Canada, you know, who who uh, who are good rugby people who know the game and whatever, but get overlooked because they're not in the right place at the right time, I suppose, or they're yeah. not looked at as favourably as someone who has maybe just finished rugby but doesn't really hasn't been through the trenches for, as a coach, coach or something like that. And the, the other thing about coaching too is, I mean, you know, you don't 
you don't become a bad coach overnight. Mm. You know, you don't. Um, you know, and, and you always improve in your coaching because you always have new experiences. But you know, sometimes you know, for example, you know, last year, you know, they were saying Michael Checker, you know, was coach of the world, you know, best coach in the world, and what he had done with the Wallabies and that. Well, you know, he hasn't uh, changed overnight to become a real bad coach now. So you know what, you know, there's not always uh, the coaches, you know, the coaches' uh, fault sort of thing that things don't go don't go as they should go. You know. Uh, uh, the thing is, you know, you see a lot of coaches turned over because of, you know, results, obviously, and yet the players still stay there. And, and that's, uh, you know, sometimes I think players have to take a little bit more responsibility for what they are, um, for performance, etc. at that top level. Yeah, for sure. Couldn't agree with you more. All right. Okay. Well, um, it's been great having a chat with you again and uh, really appreciate you coming on the show. And, um, you know, I'll be I'll be watching uh, Benetton really closely, and um, all, all the best in the upcoming season. And um, yeah, it must be it must be exciting. And uh, yeah, I hope you guys give it a, a good crack. Yeah, no, thanks very much, Andy. I enjoyed it, and uh, yeah, no, I'm looking forward to it. You know, don't know in six months' time, I might be you know looking for something else too. You never know in this industry. <laughs> you never know what's around the corner. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, hopefully that's not the case. And uh, yeah, uh, all the best with the season. Yeah, thanks very much. All right, cheers, Karen. Thanks for listening to the Rugby Coaches Corner Podcast. If you enjoyed the show, please leave a review via iTunes and keep listening for the next episode. You can also follow us on Twitter at RugbyCoachSCNR or via the website at TheRugbyCoachesCorner.com. Until next time, keep sharing ideas to make the game better.